Welcome to the True Vine Podcast. Wherever you are listening, we hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and brings perspective that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Let's worship the Lord together, shall we, all across this sanctuary. Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Glory, honor, praise to your wonderful, majestic name. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Glory and honor. I will bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. I will bless his holy name. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Praise God. Praise the Lord, church. What a privilege and honor it is for my wife and I to be here with you these next few days in revival. And we feel a wonderful spirit and attitude in the church, beautiful music, beautiful worship, participation going up to the Lord today. And it's a good day. This is the day the Lord has made. And uh, I've already had a great cup of morning coffee made over here in the grind. My third one today, so I'm ready. <laughs> Had a good night's sleep in a very comfortable bed, good hospitality, and we are just thankful for all the kindness. Got to meet with some of the uh, leaders this morning, good fellowship with them, and everybody's just been so kind and so hospitable, and we are thankful and appreciate it so very, very much. Sometime over the next few days, you get a chance to meet my wife, see what she has to say, and minister. Uh, God's using her in a great and mighty way around the world. She's an intercessory prayer warrior. She leads a morning prayer call with about 150 ministers' uh, wives on there every morning. Every morning for an hour. I've been doing that now three years, four. Four years now, every morning. So it's made a profound difference in our lives. Thank you so much, Pastor Durant. I give you honor, you and your wonderful wife and family in this great church of Truvine. We are so appreciative. And I greet Pastor Williams today, amen, in the great church at Spring Valley that is joining us by way of the webcast. We greet you today. And as we're going along, you're in church with us, so participate clap your hands say praise the lord and uh don't just watch but get involved and uh, we are so glad we're having a dual service here today amen with two congregations at the same time plus all the people that are watching online unable to make the service and we appreciate it so very much god's been good amen my wife and i have been married 36 years we have two sons amen it's a celebration uh two sons that are 29 and 27. They're both married, and they're both in ministry, uh, United Pentecostal Church licensed ministers doing youth ministry. My oldest son just accepted an assistant pastor role, and they've given us just in the last few months a baby granddaughter and a baby grandson, both my sons. So we are uh, we're in the grandparent stage of life. And we're loving it, by the way, enjoying it so much. Psalm chapter 34, verse 6 will be the text today. And again, thank you so much. It's our great honor. Uh, 
met your pastor and wife through the years numerous times. We got a little more up close and acquainted at the camp meeting last year, SoCal District. And this is an opportunity to come and meet all of you and see what the Lord has done among you. Psalm 34, 6, one single verse of Scripture. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, saved him out of all of his troubles. I'd like to preach to you for a few minutes here this morning how to find God. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would bless the ministry of your word. Bless our hearts to be open and ready to good soil to receive the good seed of the word of the Lord. I pray, Lord, that the ministering angels would go forth now throughout this congregation. Everyone that's discouraged, everyone that's fighting battles, everyone that is sick in body, those whose faith has become weak, those that are weary and well-doing, we pray, Lord, for strength, encouragement. Lord, bless this revival over the next several days. Be signs, wonders, miracles, deliverances, outpouring of your spirit. Revive your church. Let us dig in a little deeper. Let us reach up a little higher. Let us come out a little stronger. We'll give you all the praise and glory. Would you give the Lord a great big hand praise just because he's worthy? I mean with enthusiasm and passion and excitement in your soul. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul cries, hallelujah. Oh, praise God for saving me. God bless you. Seated in the presence of the Lord. I was preaching recently. My wife and I live in Ocala, Florida, near Orlando. And I was preaching recently in South Florida at an all-Spanish church on Sunday morning. And it was the first of two morning services because uh, the crowds had grown rather large and to uh, create space, we were doing two services in a row. I came to that uh, service that morning, much like I do often last night, getting in here late, and then uh, this morning. Uh, I, I got in there kind of a little tired and weary in body, and because everything was in Spanish, uh, I really wasn't entirely connected to everything that was going on. Um, I recognized the melody of the songs and the flowing of the Spirit, but everything was being said in a language I didn't understand, so I was slightly disconnected. I was tired in my body. It was the first of the two services, so I was concerned a little bit about, you know, my strength level. And so I did something that is just uh, very rare in the Pentecostal church. And I don't even know if it's permissible, but it was worship service and, and I sat down. <laughs> I know, I know, but I did. And so I was sitting there, and in that church they have the chairs on the platform for the ministers to, to sit in. And so I, I sat down in my chair, and uh, because of the height of the platform and just the way everything was arranged, I was in a perfect vantage point when a sister came forward right in the middle of the worship service when she came down to the front and began to pray. When she came down to pray, she was praying very uh, passionately. She was very aggressive in her prayer. She was uh, crying. She was halfway bent over. She was, her fists were clenched, and she was praying very, very passionately. 
Some of the ladies of the church came and gathered around her and were praying with her and just didn't take but a minute to realize that there was, I didn't understand her language, of course, but, but everything else was saying to me, this is something desperate, this is something urgent, this is uh, not just your average prayer, but she is feeling a, she's either in a battle or she's got a severe problem and she, she really needs an answer. And so just because I just happened to be sitting there just watching and just kind of eye level with everything, I, I just got to praying for her. I just started praying. Oh, God, you know, whatever her need is, Lord, just I'm asking you to bless her. Whatever her situation is, Lord, I'm asking you to meet her need. And something just drew me in, just the, the sheer desperation of the way she appeared as she was praying. Just, I just felt such a compassion and a concern for this woman. I just really got to praying for her. My wife and I both, by nature, are intercessors. And so when you have that nature, you just you feel the burdens of other people, the concern, and, and it's just very easy to get to praying for them and on their behalf. And that's just what I did. So I'm, oh God, touch her, help her today. Meet her need today, Lord. Let the let your mighty hand come down and lift her up. And, and for some reason, I just really tagged in strong. And I, the more she prayed, the more I prayed. And I'm just praying, God, Lord, she's no doubt tried everything else. She's out of answers. She doesn't know where to turn. She doesn't know what to do. Lord, you, you've got to answer her prayer today. You've got to hear her cry today. Lord, I'm asking you to help her. And Lord, don't let her walk away from from this altar without touching what she needs. Let her be like the woman that touched the hem of your garment. Lord, let your virtue flow. Lord, reach down from heaven and touch her today. Lord, let her go home with the victory. I mean, when I tell you I am praying everything I can think to pray using all my preacher influence on God to get him to hear her prayer, meet her need. She keeps on praying. After a little while, I kind of it sort of lifted from me and I tagged back in with the full scope of the service to serve what all was going on. She kept praying on for just a little while on herself. It's just as passionate. But when I settled down and when I was no longer pleading her cause, when I was no longer appealing directly to God on her behalf for God to hear her and touch her and help her and minister to her and don't let her walk away unministered to today from this very urgent need, oh God, the Lord spoke to me. And he spoke to me very strongly and very forcefully, which is kind of unique because usually the way that God speaks to me is, on, is in the gentle voice that comes across the top of my thoughts and kind of like merging traffic. Whatever my thoughts are doing, I'll feel those thoughts of God come just sort of merge in and sort of take over the flow. And then I'll realize that's no longer my thinking, but now God is ministering and speaking. And so normally I feel that flow come in and God just sort of overtake. But this was nothing like this. This was like one of them 18-wheelers just coming on and moving all the traffic out of the way. God spoke to me and he spoke forcefully and strongly. To be honest with you, it was stern and corrective. The Lord said, what makes you think I need persuaded to hear her prayer? And it was pretty much in that tone. It startled me. It's frightening to get rebuked by God. And it was a very strong and stern corrective word. 
to be very honest with you, it shook me. Uh, I was getting ready to preach and wasn't used to being just sternly rebuked by the Lord just, you know, 10 minutes prior to preaching. And it messed me up so bad I had a hard time getting my thoughts back on what I was supposed to be preaching that day. And, and so I just bowed my head and I, I didn't know exactly what to say. And, and, and the Lord continued on. He said, he said, when you prayed, I heard you. And then it was like, Something rolled back in revelation in my brain. I suddenly understood with full revelation exactly what God was saying. Because when the Lord said, when you prayed, I heard you. My mind went back. I'm 56 years old, in case you're wondering. And because inquiring minds like to know. But my mind went back to a night when I was 19 years old. I was a long way from God. I had been raised in and around the church and filled with the Holy Ghost at seven years old, baptized in Jesus' name at 12 years old and knew the things of God, but it had been a number of years now since I had even been to church. I was a long way from God. I was doing a lot of drugs. I had long hair all the way down to my shoulders. Most days I wore a red bandana around my forehead. I was, for those of you that remember back in the day, I was going to concerts of groups like the Grateful Dead and Def Leppard and Judas Priest and Molly Hatchet. And my favorite was Pink Floyd. ACDC would often open for them. I was a long way from God. I was partying, going to parties, waking up in places I didn't remember how I got there or who these people were. It's an awkward thing to wake up on the floor of someone's living room and look around and not recognize anybody in the room. partying, going, living wild, trying to have fun with everything within me, and yet I was miserable. Isn't that the paradox of a sinful lifestyle? So much time and energy and effort put into living the good life, having a wild time, and I had a giant hole in my heart, and I was miserable and getting worse by the day. This particular night that my mind went back to, I was living in a little efficiency apartment in Pennsylvania. I came home from a night of party and I was somewhat intoxicated and high on various things. I don't like to tell the full story. I don't know what statutes of libertations are. <laughs> I don't want to confess the stuff. Just you get the idea. I am quite under this intoxication of various substances. I crawled up on the little sofa in my efficiency apartment just intending to sleep it off, but I was particularly restless this night. I was particularly empty this night. I was particularly upset, and I just, just couldn't quite fall asleep. And after a little while, I just, I just rolled out of that sofa down on my knees, and in the darkness, I lifted my head in my hands, and I said, God, if you're out there, if you can hear me, I need help. I'm in trouble. I don't know how I got here. I didn't mean to become this kind of person that I am. I didn't mean to get as far gone as I've gotten. I don't know that I was a drug addict, but I was certainly headed very quickly that direction. I was doing it pretty much every day. 
I said, God, I don't, I don't want to continue down this road. I don't like who I am. I don't like who I'm becoming. I need your help. I don't know how I got here. I don't know how to get out. I don't know what to do. If you're out there somewhere, if you can hear me tonight, I need help, God. I didn't see any angels that particular night or any bright lights. I don't discount that because I have since then. Many people have. I just continued kind of to pray until I had poured out everything that was in my heart and mind to God, said what I had to say. And then I crawled up in that sofa and just went on to sleep. Nothing really unique the next day when I woke up or even the day after that. But that very week, just a few days later, I was talking to my uncle on the telephone. He called me up, uh, found out later he wasn't really my uncle. I was raised like he was. So I don't know if y'all even. <laughs> Fighting me to the family reunion that actually wasn't my family, but whatever. I was so desperate. I was so anxious. I was so restless. It's four hours to the Maryland Drive. I thought I just need to get away. I'll just go do this. I said, sure, man, I'll come down. Well, when I got down there, of course, my uncle is an apostolic preacher. And as soon as I showed up, he just, he just, came, he just tagged right into me. He, I became his project for the weekend. Talking and talking and talking. And finally, after a little while, started telling me, you just need to stay for the weekend and come to church. And after a little while of convincing and persuasion, I was so restless, so anxious, so out of answers, I thought, sure, whatever, I'll just come. You understand, I've not been in church in years. I'll just come. So Sunday morning, we're off to church. Walked in, it was just a little church, the Apostolic Lighthouse in Frederick, Maryland. My uncle, he was a preacher, so he went up to the platform. He just planted me on the front row, and up he went. They got to singing. It was just a little church with a little tin roof, air conditioners in the two side windows, two rows of wooden pews with an old piece of red carpet down the middle. First song started singing, there's power, power, wonder-working power. So standing there on the front row, I just raised my hands, and I started my prayer. Lord, if you can hear me, I need help. I'm in trouble. This time the platform cleared, all the preachers came down. I wasn't watching. My uncle probably got them all going. They come down there, hands laid on me in every direction. It was only a few minutes I was praying through, speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of the Lord gave the utterance. You do understand that it is impossible that this is coincidental, that after not being to church in at least five years a single time, just a few days after I prayed in the midnight darkness, God, if you can hear me, I need help. I didn't even make it to that weekend without finding myself on the front row of the church. Hands raised, ministers laying hands on me, the power of God flowing through. Pastor got with me as soon as the service was over. Said, look, son, your life looks like it's a mess to me. You need to get right with God. Why don't you just go home, move out of that apartment, quit that job, move down here, get in church and, and live for God. That sounded like a good plan. It took a few weeks. So I went home, got things in order, got out of the job, moved to Maryland, moved in with my aunt in her basement, which wasn't really my aunt. <laughs> moved in, started going to the Apostolic Lighthouse Church. It was there at that church I met Patricia Ann Windsor, who, of course, now is Patricia Ann Kleindance. 
Because in those days, you had to keep Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John between you. And the minute it looked like anything was getting serious, you got married. <laughs> so it was a short order. We got married. It was there at the little Apostolic Lighthouse Church on a Thursday night. I was invited to speak my first, what we called in those days, sermonettes. I was given 10 minutes to preach. Never forget going up there that night, studied so long, so much time and effort and prayer. And I'm standing up there, and my hand was shaking. And the whole time I was talking, the microphone was doing a number like this right here. And I'm preaching on David and Goliath. The title of my little sermonette that night was, It's Time to Fight. Looking back now, I realize I was preaching more to me about me than I was to them about them. I was in the fight for my soul. I was in the fight for my future. I preached my little sermonette. It was from there that my wife and I launched out in a little white Ford Ranger pickup truck with a, a camper shell on the back, one of them little blue shells. We were both skinnier, and we didn't own much, so everything we owned fit in the back, and there was still room for the both of us to lay in between, and we would sleep in rest stops sometimes at night evangelizing in that pickup truck. We went out in the evangelistic field preaching and ministering, landed in Lynchburg, Virginia in 1990, became elected pastor of 11 people, and shortly after, seven of them quit. We lived in the basement of that church. I've lived in a lot of basements in my lifetime. We lived in the basement of that church for several years, growing the church. It was there in Lynchburg, Virginia, in our 12-year pastorate. The church grew that both of our sons were born. We raised them up there and then went and worked at our headquarters and from there back to the evangelistic field, raising our sons on the evangelistic field. Today, both of them are grown and in ministry and married and have two grandchildren and neither one of my sons has ever drank alcohol or smoked cigarettes or been involved in drugs they've been raised in the church their whole life they married godly christian girls and they've had a whole different lifestyle now my oldest son did correct me here a while back he heard me make that statement preaching he said dad i need to fix something i said what he said i did drink alcohol i said what my wife and I have watched you like a hawk. I need to know when, where, how, and under what conditions. How did we miss this? He said, well, Dad, he said we were at the Because of the Times conference. And they were serving communion. And they, to meet everybody's convictions, they do have a line for real wine. And everybody else gets the grape juice. And he said, Dad, I accidentally got in the wrong line. And the only time my son ever drank alcohol was at church when he got in the wrong line for communion. We've been all over the world. Got connected to Brother Billy Cole, who became my spiritual mentor. Traveled with him for 17 years. Nations like Ethiopia and Pakistan, Philippines, all over America. I've traveled far and wide. My wife and I have been blessed. I can stand before you today and tell you that I've personally witnessed in my ministry over 877,000 people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. As many as 120,000 in one single service in Ethiopia. I've seen people get out of wheelchairs in places like Pakistan and blind eyes. Eight people with blind eyes healed in a single service in Pakistan. 
preached in the islands and the Caribbean, and preached in the Pacific, been to, been to India, been to Nigeria, and various places, seen God's. I've seen the thunder roll. I've seen the mighty voice and thunderous voice of God be mighty and magnificent. All over America in various churches like this one right here, God has been good to us. Because one night, a long time ago, Nobody watching, nobody to know or probably even care at that particular moment. My knees hit the carpet and in the darkness. God, if you're out there, I need help. I'm in trouble. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him. So I knew exactly what God was saying when he said, what makes you think I need persuaded to hear her prayer? When you prayed, I heard you. If you really want to get real about it, folks, I didn't pray a good prayer. It wasn't a prayer of faith. I was intoxicated. I was high. I was a long way from God. I, I wasn't convinced he was even out there. I wasn't convinced he was even listening. I was just in a desperate place, and all I did was reach. Can I tell you how to find God today? It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. It doesn't matter what you've done. Done. doesn't matter how bad you've been, what mistakes you've made, or how shame you are of your life from anywhere, anyone. Just reach. Just reach. You can reach from him from anywhere. It's like the old song said, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained with sin, seeking to rise no more. But then the master of the sea, he heard my despairing cry, and from the waters lifted me. Now safe am I. I'm telling you, all you have to do is reach. You may have talked about the church. You may have talked about the pastor. You may have been angry at God. You may be angry at a lot of things. But rattle your chains of anger your chains of fear your chains of anxiety just go ahead and lift them hands to God whatever condition you're in if you'll cry out God will hear your prayer Woo. I want to help somebody's faith today not only for yourself, but for the lost members of your family. This is why we're in revival now, so that we understand how easy it is to touch the hem of his garment. Long before you ever make it to the altars of repentance sometimes, before you ever make it to the baptistry pool and they take you down calling on the name of Jesus, before you ever stand with your hands raised or knelt with your hands raised, receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues, long before you're ever a musician, before you're ever a choir or a praise singer, before you're ever an usher standing out there greeting folks, 
before you ever make it to the discipleship class and learn how to live and, and how to live your life on Christian principles. There's a ground zero out there for every one of us. People find it on the back alleys. They find it in bar stools. They find it driving home from the bed of adultery with a pit in their stomach, hands gripping the steering wheel with tears running down their face. God, I didn't want to be this kind of person. I don't know how I got here. If you can help me. And God hears the cry of a desperate soul sinking in the cesspool of sin. And he reaches down from heaven like the old preacher said. He'll lift you up even if he has to reach way down. Oh, how many like me can say, he brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock to stay. He put a song in my soul today. It's a song of his praise. That's why we worship. That's why we raise our hands. That's why we shout. That's why we dance. Because there was a day back there where I cried out. And he heard me. And he heard you. And he'll hear your family. He'll hear this lost world. It's not hard to touch God. It's not hard to get saved. Where sin abounds, grace does the much more abound. I'm telling you, it makes no difference what condition you or your family member is in. He can find them and save them. It's just as close as the mention of his name. I got a strong correction that Sunday morning. What makes you think I need persuaded? God was reminding the preacher you got off course somewhere son you forgot it's not just grace it's amazing grace you've made it too hard I don't need persuaded to hear her prayer I'm listening already <laughs> amen I got a little revelation for the intercessors here today this will help you you intercede for people who are not praying for themselves See, we intercede for people who are not asking for God's mercy. So we ask for God's mercy on their behalf. We rebuke devils that they're not rebuking. We protect them from things that they're not afraid of. So we pray the things they're not praying. But the minute they start praying, you can stop interceding and start rejoicing. The minute they start praying, God said, I got it. I got it. I don't need you to pray for them. They're praying for them. All it takes is the whisper. My wife's, my wife's father, he was a good man, never lived for God. He was a dairy farmer, hard worker, didn't live for the Lord. Her, her mother did, godly woman. She has a great story. But her father in the military Ended up with some cancer stuff in his body. Ended up in the veteran's hospital. Ended up having to amputate his legs. My wife went to visit him on a Father's Day. But he had put out the word, don't send them preachers over here praying for me. So my wife didn't take a preacher. She took one of the prayer warriors from the church. <laughs> now you do know these folks ain't got good sense. God bless them. 
They teach us preachers all stuff we're supposed to say and do and how to behave ourselves and stuff, but intercessors do not know how to behave themselves. They don't know. So she takes Sister Duty, intercessory prayer warrior, from church into the hospital room, and they're having a little small talk for a little while, and Sister Duty just finally leans over and says, Mr. Windsor, wouldn't you like to pray before you die? See, that's how intercessors and prayer warriors behave themselves. Preacher would have known not to say such a thing. Wouldn't you like to pray before you die? Laying there in that hospital dead, that stern man, that hard-working dairy farmer, he didn't say anything. He just did like this right here. I believe in that old man nodded his head. All of heaven stood at attention. The game just changed. <laughs> Woo! Mercy and grace that flows from Calvary was about to reach down. My wife, knowing the nature of her father, dismissed herself. So I got to go get something to drink. I'll be right back. She left the, him alone with the intercessor prayer warrior. She come back about 10 minutes later only to see her father laid back in the bed with hands raised. Sister Duty up there with her hands on his head praying him through. He's speaking in other tongues. Because when he nodded, the nails of Calvary's cross thundered in the distance. When he nodded, the blood that dropped from Calvary's cross thundered into the soil. God said, I've got it. He can move all the hell out of the way. Mr. Windsor got fired up for the Lord, got him a Bible, started witnessing to everybody. Of course, my wife's brother, he's a Pentecostal preacher. They're getting in there trying to talk to dad about getting baptized. He finally tells something nobody knew. He let his wife die and go to the grave and never told her. He said, let me tell you all something. He said, 30-something, 35 years, whatever it was ago, early in the military. He said, a preacher come through preaching about getting baptized in Jesus' name. He said, I got in that line that day and I was already. He said, I've known what you've been talking about the whole time. And not one of us thought he had even any understanding about what we were trying to do. He said, I was baptized in Jesus' name years ago. He never came off that bed. He died and went on to glory. He didn't live well, but he finished well. They asked me to preach his funeral. At the funeral, I preached a sermon entitled, Finishing Stronger Than You Started. I said he didn't live right, but he died right. And he wouldn't let the preachers come pray for him in the hospital, but there was 35 that came to his funeral to see him off to glory because he couldn't hold us back. I'm preaching this sermon. My wife's backslidden brother sitting on the front row. I see him with his head down crying and praying. I said, Lee, wouldn't you like to pray? He just nodded. I said, that's all it takes. Come here. He walked up there standing right by his daddy's casket, laid hands on him, prayed him through to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Because this thing's not just grace. It's amazing grace. Underneath of the everlasting arms of God. Underneath what? Underneath everything. Underneath every hurt, every pain, every sorrow, every grief. Underneath every backsliding. Underneath all the hurt and sorrow and pain of life. Uh, underneath all the bitterness uh, is the everlasting arms of the Almighty. My brother was like me. 
My brother was like me. He knew the Lord early on. He's six years older than me. But he knew the Lord early on, but he stayed away from God a whole lot longer than I did. He went career military. You couldn't talk to him about God. He was so vulgar. He was so obnoxious. 30-something years, we tried to have conversations, couldn't get nowhere. I invited him to the church I pastored many times. He would never come. Said the roof would fall in. I said, we got people who can build it back. Come on. I was finally, I was preaching up in Pennsylvania on a Pentecost Sunday. I was preaching at the church where he got married. I said, hey, bro, it's the church where you and your wife got married. We'll go out to eat afterwards. Why don't you come? He, he finally came that morning, brought his grown son and daughter who knew absolutely nothing about church, never been in their whole life. Preached a message. Dave Alder called. Everybody came. My brother and his family didn't come. I gave him a personal altar call to come. They still didn't come. But his oldest boy, 20 years old, walked down to the altar. He was getting ready to be deployed. I think it was to Afghanistan or Iraq in those days. I can't remember. He was getting ready to be deployed in a few weeks, and he just walked up to the altar and said, Uncle Doug, would you pray for me? I said, sure, son. I said, just, just raise your hands. You understand, he don't know nothing about God. He's come down here to get prayed for just because he's a little afraid of what's getting ready to happen. I said, sure, son. I said, just close your eyes. Think about Jesus. Lift your hands, a sign of surrender, and I'll pray for you. I laid hands on him, got to praying. I said, come on, just write out loud, tell the Lord, you know, just say his name, Jesus. He said Jesus about twice, started talking in tongues. He didn't even know what was happening. He didn't know what was happening to him. I said, just go ahead, son, let it roll. Holy Ghost all over you. He didn't know what no Holy Ghost was. He didn't know anything was happening to him. I raised my thumb like this and told my brother. I said, he's speaking in other tongues. He's getting the Holy Ghost. Now, he didn't know what was happening, but my brother did. His head went down like this right here. My brother didn't come that day, but about three or four weeks later, pastor called me. He said, I thought you might like to know your brother and his wife are back in church today. This time they both came to the altar and prayed through. 30, 30, 35 years obnoxious, vulgar, couldn't get nowhere with him. So finally I told him, I'm going to send you some suits. I sent him some suits and ties to wear to church. I called pastor, is he wearing them suits and ties? He said, no. I said, why not? Is he coming? He said, yeah, he's coming every Sunday. But he's dressing up like a clown, and he's driving around in a van. He's bringing kids to church and filling up rows. It wasn't but a couple years later the pastor called and said, thought you might like to know. Your brother's going to be meeting the district board. Feels called to ministry. He's going to get his license. He became a licensed United Pentecostal Church preacher. And just about two years ago, my brother got elected to a church. And this morning is the pastor of a United Pentecostal Church. Because it doesn't matter if you've been vulgar. doesn't matter if you've been obnoxious. doesn't matter how many years you have resisted God. All it takes is one moment. Just one moment. If you reach for him. I'm here to tell you God is not far from any one of us today. You can reach for him during this revival. The next few days, you can reach for him from any situation, from any condition, from any mess you've gotten yourself into, from whatever's happening in your life, whatever your conditions are, whatever mess is going on in your family, whatever problems are happening to you. We're in revival. It's time to just reach. It's time for people to call out to God. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him. He'll hear your faintest cry he will answer by and by he can hear you from the back row he can hear you from the front he can hear you during the songs when nobody else can hear your voice why don't you just say lord i need you lord i need your help lord i need you to touch me lord i'm in trouble i need deliverance here i need revived here i need you oh god 
Tell you one last story and I'll let you pray. Oh, I feel a strong power of the Holy Ghost in this service here today. Musicians, I guess whoever's going to help me at the end, if you want to make your way to the front and help out, please. I went to Ethiopia for about 11 years. I met a lot of the national leaders of the Ethiopian church. There was many years they lived under Marxist government. They lived under tremendous persecution. They were in prison. They were beat. So much happened. Ethiopia is a very dry, deserty land with a lot of droughts. And because of the droughts, a lot of famine, because of uh, political corruption, keeping food from the people for the purpose of control, there was a lot of um, famine and starvation. During one of the times, the story was related to me, during one of the times of severe famine and drought, in one of the villages that was almost all entirely apostolic oneness people, hundreds and hundreds of them, the food supply had run out. The crops in the field were wilting and dying, and the ground was parched, and they were in trouble. So the village elders met together, and aptly somebody suggested, well, we just need to pray. So they called a village prayer meeting. And the next day, hundreds and hundreds of people make their way out into the middle of the field. And out in the middle of the field with the ground dry and the crops wilting, they began to pray. Now, if you happen to be new to Pentecost, you do recognize when we pray, we just get loud and wild and we all pray at the same time and just, you know, just, you ever been around them Ethiopians? They take it up a notch from where we are in America. I mean, they all got, I can only imagine what it sounded like for hundreds of them good saints to be out there in that field praying with the wilted crops all around them, reaching to God for food. God, we need help. While they were praying, fish start falling out of the sky some frozen some flopping well the women had good sense they ran back to the village got baskets come out and start gathering everything up they gathered so many baskets they had food for many days the story of this went far and wide made its way into newspaper articles and reporters and writing about it for many years, I carried the article around in my Bible when I'd mentioned the story, fish falling out of the sky in Ethiopia. Some meteorologist got curious. How? What? What's the possibility that this could have even happened? So the meteorologist gets to looking into the circumstances and the time frame and radar images and satellite images and sure enough they discover that out over the ocean at just the time there was a giant storm wind up to 70 80 miles per hour they estimated picking up waves as high as 30 and more feet into the air and what the meteorologist reported was that what evidently happened was a wind shear came across one of these waves that was high and crashing chopped off the top of the wave catching the water with the fish in the water carried it up into the atmosphere carried it over and dropped it on these farmers who were praying for food <laughs> now I don't take issue with the meteorologists as a matter of fact, one thing you'll discover about science is they're usually just catching up trying to figure out what God has actually done. 
they tell us there was a big bang. That's how we all got here. I don't even doubt it. My guess is out there in the void of the universe, when God said, let there be light, they're just trying to figure out how God did what he did. So give them a break. So I don't argue with the meteorologists. I think they're right. I think there was a storm. I think there was winds. I think all that happened. But, but that's the way. Can, can I give it to you in Pentecostal preacher style? That's the way the scientists explain it. Let me explain the same thing. Pentecostal preacher style. The God who knows our needs before we pray knew his people were in trouble. And when they got to asking for food, he reached down with his mighty right hand to power. He began to stir up the ocean. He scooped up a big scoop of fish, threw them into the atmosphere, breathed with the nostrils of God, blew them across, and landed them on these farmers. Would you stand with me across the auditorium? Now, just so you understand, Ethiopia is not on the coast. There's a whole country. The Sudan between the water and Ethiopia. The one thing the meteorologists had no explanation for was how it was after traveling so far. The fish just happened to fall on the people who were praying for food. It's the only part they had no explanation for. But that's not hard for me to understand. This poor man cried. And the Lord heard him. God knew right where the fish needed to fall. You and I, my brother and sister, living in the time of the latter rain. The Spirit is falling like a rain invisibly around this world. But you know where you're going to see it fall? You know where you're going to see the rain? Where somebody's reaching for God. That's where you'll see his power. All you have to do is reach. And God doesn't need to be persuaded today. We've got room at the altar for some that would like to walk out of your seat. Is a preacher. My situation is a little different from the story you told. But I do need God today. My situation is not the same. But my need is the same. God, if you can hear me, I need help. Would somebody like to step out, walk down here, lift your hands toward the Lord. Somebody that says, here I am, God. My family needs you. I need you. Whatever your situation, come on down here. Lift your hand right up to the Lord. Pray like I prayed. Pray like so many like you have prayed. Oh, Lord, if you can hear me, I need, I need you to touch me today, God. Come on, who else needs prayer? Who needs to touch God? You don't need me to persuade God on your behalf. If you'll use your voice. If you'll use your heart, I'm telling you, there's not a devil in hell that can get between you and the grace of God. Let your voice out. Let God hear your prayer today. Oh, God, here I am, Lord. I've got this physical condition in my body. I'm facing a mountain of problems. We've been fighting demonic forces. Come on, somebody cry out. Somebody cry out. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. 
You can visit our website or church app if you would like to give. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe, like and share it with your friends, and tag us on social media. Because we want to witness with you what God is doing in your life. Thank you, and God bless.